Welcome to the House Church Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message by Pastor Katie Sexton. If you would like to know more about the House Church, please visit our website at welcometothehouse.com or download the House app. My name is Katie Sexton, and I am the pastor's wife here. And no, I don't generally bring the message, but today I'm excited about being able to share my heart with you. Um, There's a few things that God has laid on my heart as we're going through this Rooted series. This is our fifth sermon in the Rooted series, and this is Principles to Flourish. And so it's crazy because... Some of you who know us um, or have been here for a few weeks know that as soon as this Rooted series started, our life kind of got really crazy and, uh, in, my, in our family. And I wasn't even able to attend the first few weeks of the series. Um, and it was crazy because it definitely was very obvious that there was a supernatural work going on. Uh, I believe that there was a power against us, and I don't know where you stand in the supernatural, whether you believe in the devil or you believe in those kind of things, but I believe that the devil is very real. But I'm not scared of him because I believe that Jesus is very real, that he died and rose from the dead and conquered conquered death, hell, and the grave. So I have nothing to fear because of who I know um, is my Savior, and my, who has got my back is stronger than who is coming against me. And so um, I'm excited about kind of wrapping up this Principles to Flourish, um, but I want to just kind of share with you a little bit. This message will be maybe a little different just because it's going to tell a little bit about what we've been going through. And, you know, the bottom line is, is we're actually not all the way through it yet, um, but we're getting there. And God has been so amazingly faithful. Um, But one thing that's been so evident is the fact that the devil really truly does come to steal, kill, and destroy. And any promise that God gives you or any word that God gives you, I promise you every single time the devil is looking for a way to steal, kill, and destroy that promise or that word that you're standing on. And so... I believe that this will kind of be an encouragement, I'm praying that this will be an encouragement to you because it's crazy actually how many church families through the last several weeks have been going through so many crazy things in the hospital, um, waiting for doctor's appointments, um, losing their jobs. I mean, it's been kind of unbelievable the amount of kind of just trials that some of our people have been facing. And so I really do believe that in this moment is even, it's more of an invitation to put our roots even deeper. <laughs> to know that who we serve is so much greater than the circumstances of our day. And so um, I want to look at this scripture, 1 Peter 5, 9. It says, resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. And so this is just an encouragement to the church saying, hey, you know what? I want to encourage you that other people are going through stuff too. So don't lose hope. Stand firm. And so this is not a, hey, what you're going through is not that bad. That's not what he's saying. He's saying that, but remember that you're not the only one. Because the devil loves to make us feel like we're the only one. 
Like we're the only one that's dealing with this. We're the only one that has it hard. We're the only one that is struggling. We're the only one that has our specific challenges. And so the devil loves to isolate us in that way. But if we can stand firm and remember, hey, we're not the only one. We are serving Christ. We've chosen to serve Christ. And so therefore, the enemy looks at us as a threat. Anytime we try to make one step forward, the enemy is going to try to put us two steps back. And so as we delve into this, one of the things in 1 Peter 5.10, which we don't have that on the screen, one of the things it says is after you've suffered a little bit, God will perfect you, establish you, strengthen you, and settle you. And I just look at that as the greatest promise ever because the world cannot provide that. When I see the world going through hard times, it's so sad that their trust is in something so shallow and that they cannot find anything to settle them, so they're seeking out a million different things, trying to fulfill them, settle them, strengthen them. And it's all forfeits of what truly strengthens us, which is only the Lord. Um, one of the scriptures I want to point out to is I'm, talk, I'm going to talk a little bit about the promises that God gives us. And so David is one of my favorite characters in the Bible. And if you know, my husband, Stephen, he wrote a book on the life of David called Be the One. And that was something that we started a whole ministry out of. And so David has one of been, been one of my favorites because he's so authentic and he's so genuine. And if you don't know who David is, he's in the Old Testament and um, he was a king. But first he was a shepherd. He was a shepherd boy, and so he very much was marginalized in the first part of his life. And, but then God gave him favor, and he rose above. But even in the midst of his favor and the fact that he became king, guess what? He still had some hard stuff to go through. And plus, he wasn't perfect, which is good news for all of us, that God called him a man after God's own heart, but yet he was obviously an imperfect person. Um, but one of the things that God promised to David is in 2 Samuel 7. And this is verse 10. And it says, And I will provide a place for my people Israel and will plant them so that they can have a home of their own and no longer be disturbed. Wicked people will not oppress them anymore as they did at the beginning and have done ever since that time I appointed over my people Israel. I will also give you rest from all of your enemies. Okay, so... If you are looking at this, this is a pretty good deal. <laughs> this is a really good promise. I mean, of all the promises, this is one that I would really appreciate if the Lord would say this one to me. Because this is great. I'll give you rest from all your enemies. You just have an easy life for the rest. Hey, that's, that's good news. I'm, I don't know if you know my personality, but I'm not really one that likes things to interrupt my life. <laughs> I don't really, I'm not one that, when I was younger, I did do a lot of adventure, like Stephen had mentioned uh, in another sermon about the fact that we, you know, skydived before we got married and so forth, and now that I won't even cross the street without pushing a button. It is true. <laughs> it is true. Uh, but the thing is, is the fact that I like things kind of routine and same, and so this promise would have been awesome. I'd be like, yes, I got the jackpot of all promises. My life is going to be smooth. Uh, but the crazy thing about this promise is in the next chapter, in chapter 8, it says, Over a, uh, after a, a period of time, then David experienced all of this war. He defeated the Philistines, who were considered more technologically and militarily advanced than the Israelites. 
He defeated the Moabites. He defeated Hadadazar. And the Lord gave David victory wherever he went. And so that kind of sounds good. Oh, he had victory. Awesome. But I'm thinking in my head, no, he fought a lot. He had a lot of war, and war is a big interruption to your life, okay? So war is not something that I look at when I read the initial promise of rest and your enemies would be, you know, wouldn't come against you. I was like, well, why did he have to go to war? The promise said this, and the thing about David and his life, and if you look into his life closer, is when he was a shepherd boy, he, was, um, he spent a lot of time with the Lord. And we know that because he wrote a lot of psalms in the Old Testament about how much he loved God and how much he spent time with the Lord. And so he was, what we can take from it, with God telling us that he's a man after God's own heart, was he was a man who truly knew the Lord because he spent time with the Lord. And so when he received this promise from the Lord, I really believe he had full trust and confidence in who he knew. That's a different kind of trust and confidence than if I'm not, I just met you, and you said you're gonna come paint my house, and you say you're a good painter, and I'm like, hmm, can I see some work that you have done? Okay, I don't really know you. But then, yet, if I am going to leave my children with my mother, whom is the absolute most safest person in the planet, um, I know that, I promise you, they will be safe. <laughs> they will be in bubble wrap, maybe, but they will be safe. <laughs> because I know her, and I can bank on that. Because I know her so well, and I'm so confident. If she says, I'm going to take care of your kids, I know they're going to be taken care of okay because I know her and so that's a different kind of knowing and that's the kind of knowing that David had of the Lord so when David heard this promise from the Lord he knew God so well that he knew that he was going to do what he said he was going to do and that he also knew that most of the things that God gives us are something that we have to take we have to receive and so he went to battle knowing that there was an enemy that was going to try to steal, kill, and destroy the promise God had given him. And so even though the promise was true and was going to come into fruition, it wasn't coming into fruition easily. And so the rest that he experienced, it was partially in his lifetime, but honestly it was mostly in his children's lifetime. And so it's amazing how so many times we look at the promise of God, and if it doesn't happen easily and instantly we doubt God and it's not something to condemn us we all have that human nature we're questioning are you going to do what you said you were going to do and um, one of the things that I with this story and I'm going to try to fill in the gaps my daughter um, a few I guess it was the end of September uh, was very sick and I'm going to so cry through this sermon (laughs) Okay, I'm kind of like a basket case lately, <laughs> so just deal with me. Uh, second service will probably be great because all the tears will come out, this one. <laughs> but um, anyway, so she got very sick at the end of September, and um, the crazy thing was our family had kind of gone through a lot of sickness and even just allergies and things like that, but just like really feeling terrible for about two months. And she had not had any symptoms at all. 
my husband and I felt so sick that we kept on going to the doctor and they kept on being like, it's allergies. And we're like, we really feel sick. <laughs> but they didn't really take it very seriously. And um, I remember going on a retreat uh, with our young adult leaders that we're doing a discipleship with. And it was in the beginning of, it was in the beginning of September, Courtney? Okay, it was in the beginning of September. And I, I mean, literally, guys, I felt horrible, like horrible. Like, I don't know how I got through it. And God used it, and it was great. But Stephen felt the same way. We were just feeling really terrible. But in the midst of worship at that retreat, I really felt like I heard the Lord tell me that he was going to heal us and that we were going to have the best health we'd had ever. And um, I'm not going to tell you our whole life story, but we've had several ups and downs through our life and health and our family. And so, um, like my, my first daughter, who she's not the oldest, but the first daughter, she was born six and a half weeks premature. And then my second daughter, Tia, she was, the next day after she was born, they, de they determined she had a hole in her lung. And so we've had our ups and downs. <laughs> so it's not anything new. But here we are, and I felt like the Lord spoke to me at that retreat so clearly. And it wasn't like, oh, she's talking about a prosperity message. I, I mean, I think God prospers us, and he helps us go through life's troubles. Um, I think both. Um, but I think that in that moment, I immediately knew, because <laughs> I had gone through so many things that God has been so faithful in, but I have had to fight for, that I knew immediately, I was like, okay, what's coming? <laughs> like when he told me that, I actually thought, oh, I mean, it's like, I appreciate the promise, but I know what that means. Like, the, the enemy is going to try to come and still kill and destroy that promise. I kind of already knew that principle. And so I remember thinking, okay, Lord, I'm going to stand on your promise. I mean, I remember kind of digging my heels deep on this. And um, at that point, my daughter had not even had any symptoms, even though we had all kind of been having symptoms of, like, just normal sickness seemingly normal sickness. Um, but anyway, so here we go. Several weeks later, it's like three, four weeks later, and she all of a sudden gets an earache, and um, a really, really bad earache. Um, but it was, of course, on a Sunday, and so I was going to take her in on the Monday. Well, the Monday, her ear stops hurting, and she starts throwing up. So I'm like, oh, we have a stomach bug. Um, and so through a series of events and through a series of doctors who says she's fine, um, and says she's just got a virus, you know, she's just got a viral infection, she's going to be okay. And uh, me saying, you know, this is really weird, because I don't know of any moms in here, but I have four children, and they're 12 and under, and I, I feel like I have seen everything. <laughs> I like, I've done every stomach bug, every cold, every flu, every, I mean, any scenario of every child gets. I mean, I've kind of gone through it um, with four children in that age range. And so I'm like, I tell the doctor, I'm like, this is just really weird. Like her symptoms and the way she's reacting doesn't seem like something I've seen before. And um, he's like, oh, it's a virus, whatever. So over a matter of days, and I'm not going to bore you with all the details, we end up in the emergency room because uh, she woke up one morning and couldn't uh, walk. And so um, we went to the emergency room, and they had confirmed what I thought that it could be was meningitis and and then I didn't even I knew she was really sick but they were going to send us to children's and um, I remember thinking 
you know, I've been in this scenario before. I've had children born early. I've had a child have a hole in their lung. We just go to children's and they don't act like it's a big deal. They just fix them. <laughs> That's just what they do. <laughs> and so I've never, you know, like when we were at our home hospital, they would always be freaking out. Then we'd get to children's, they'd be like, oh, you're good. You know, we see this all the time. <laughs> like, we're just going to do this, this, and this. You're going to be fine. And so I always had this interest, just get to children's because they're going to make it all better. And um, I remember us talking through like what the situation was and it got really bad and she actually went septic on the air flight to Little Rock, which is bad if you don't know what that is and really, really bad. So um, I don't think really, I really understood it, but before I got on the helicopter, my sister said, I really keep on hearing that she will live and not die. And I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, thank you, yes. <laughs> because I wasn't even, like, I hadn't processed that yet. I mean, I knew we were in a very serious situation, but I wasn't really going to there yet. And I, she looked at me, like, I was, like, looked at her like she was crazy, and she was like, well, just, just, it's good to know. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, okay. And so we fly to Little Rock, and I don't know anything that's happened on the helicopter, but she went really, really bad septic on the helicopter. That means the bacteria poisoned your blood. And so um, we get to children's and I'm fully expecting them to tell me that this is what we do for this. And this is how she's gonna get better. And the first thing they told me is we just don't know if she's gonna make it. And I remember just overwhelmed and processing. I didn't even cry. Because so I was looking at her like, you're crazy. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Like, I mean, I don't even know how you come up with, I mean, she's explaining it to me and I'm like, okay. Um, <laughs> overwhelmed completely. But I remember going through that and having a lot of bad news within a full two days spectrum. And, um, on the second, like earlier the second day, I just really heard the Lord say, some will trust in horses and some will trust in chariots, but you trust in me. And I was like, okay. I so in the mom that like, I've gotten it down, you know what I'm saying? Like I give you a vitamin C for this, I give you a Tylenol for this. I mean, like I trust in like what I've experienced. And then I go into this thinking, children's is gonna make it better. I'm just gonna trust that they know what they're talking about and they're gonna take care of her. And I was just put in a position that it was like, okay, Lord, there is nobody to trust and you are the only one that can help her right now because all they were saying is like, we just have to wait and see and I'm like, wait and see are you kidding me <laughs> you need to do something um so anyways I'm stopping there at the story so I don't cry anymore and I'll keep it up I promise um but you know one of the things about this promise that um God gave David and then he had to endure all this fighting and these wars and these battles um one of the things that I love about David's trust is that his was in the Lord, not in the absence of battle. And so our trust has to go beyond what we see and what we have to fight. Our trust has to be concretely placed in the Lord, whom is able to save. 
And so I think that one of the things that's awesome about the promise that God gave me and the reason why I went into this part of the story of David was because that theologians and Matthew Henry believed that he wrote this, some will trust in horses and some will trust in chariots, but trust in the name of the Lord, the name of the Lord your God during this season, possibly. And so the, tr the chariots and the horses were often known to Israel as something that God would not allow them to rely on. Oftentimes, Israel, like God would ask Israel to hamstring the horses that they defeated. I mean, they defeated the army and they would hamstring the horses because God didn't want them to trust in the horses. And so um, th there's a part in Deuteronomy where it talks about the fact that there were so many other uh, ch chariots and horses on the other side of the battle, but God saved them because they wouldn't trust in that. So this is a major theme in Israelites. This is something God has continued to tell them. And so David is not like new to this. So when he's talking about some will trust in horses and some will trust in chariots, he fully believes because he has seen it and he has heard how God has come through in spite of the fact that Israel was not known to have as many horses and chariots as everybody else. So I want to go into Psalm 20 and actually read this whole part. You have that up? I'm sorry. Psalm 20, verse 6. It says, Now this I know, the Lord gives victory to his anointed. This is what David wrote. He answers him from his heavenly sanctuary with the victorious power of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They are brought to their knees and fall, but we rise up and stand firm. And so today, I really want, and I believe my assignment is today, to talk about being firmly planted. And so this scripture where it says, they are brought to their knees and fall, but we rise up and stand firm. I believe this is so accurate for our circumstances today. I believe that it is easy to see others fall, not at their demise or not to rejoice in that, but to know because we serve a God who does not rely on horses and chariots, we will stand firm. <coughs> Because we know that whatever God's answer is, and however he comes through, we have an eternity to understand. We don't have to understand in that very second, because we have an eternal mindset of understanding that we're going to get it eventually. We're going to get it. We're going to understand. It's not just right now how I feel. So my first point is, is his promises don't always come to fruition easily. David had to fight for his. If you think about Jesus, when he was baptized and God said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. God just like laid it out, announced to everybody, this is my boy. And so here he has the next day, like the next part of the scripture, he's led out to the wilderness for Satan to tempt him. And what did Satan tempt him in? Everything that God said. If you're the son of God, then do this. If you're the son of God, do this. That's in Matthew 3 and 4 if you want to look at it. But what I am saying is even Jesus had to be tested and the devil came against the promise of God on Jesus' life. Yes. David, he had a promise from God and the devil came against the promise of God on his life. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Yeah. And we have to be able to see that. In that scripture that I read first, 1 Peter 5, 9, resist him firm in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world, and then after some suffering, he will perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle us. And we have to, we have to come together and get everything we possibly can mustered up. 
to let him settle us, establish us, perfect us, and firmly plant us. You know, the next point I want to talk a little bit about is that number, um, number two is Jesus sustains you when you can't sustain yourself. And this is something that I really believe that someone in this room needs to, to hear. That the one thing about Jesus is the fact that he doesn't expect us to figure it out all the time. And he doesn't expect us to, to sustain ourselves all the time. He actually comes in in our weakness. His grace is sufficient for us. In our weakness, he is strong. And so in Acts 17, verse 25, it says, Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. For in him we live and move and have our being. And so I want to encourage you that there are moments, and there are moments in this journey of believing and standing firm for my family that I had to rely on Jesus because I didn't have enough strength or faith or hope or, or whatever it took to get through. But Jesus sustained me because he lives and moves and breathes in and through and out. And so there's so much more to the Lord than sometimes we ever tap into because we don't understand that it's not all on us. That it's actually all on him. And he's the one who lives and moves and breathes and has our being. We need him. We need him praying for us. And the Bible talks about the fact that Jesus prays for us. And I want to go there in Romans 8.26. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know how we ought to pray. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans too deep for words. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. I don't know about you, but have you ever been in the situation where you didn't know what to pray? Nobody. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, the bottom line is that sometimes we don't know because it, it's so overwhelming. We don't know where to start. And if you haven't been walking with the Lord that long, you don't know to start. Just read the word and pray it. You know, that's sometimes the first best step you take is just open the word and start praying it as a prayer because at least you know that it's God's words and not your own. But this is something I'm going to tell you, like, it was the second day. Um, one of the things is our young adult leadership group actually met like one of the nights that we were like first in the hospital. And um, they prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. They prayed a lot. Um, and I heard about it later. But honestly, that was the same moment where a doctor came in or a doctor sent another doctor in to tell us not to eat because we needed to go in for an MRI. And I remember praying to God that there would be nothing on the MRI. That it would be clear. And guess what? That was the wrong prayer to pray. <laughs> because they did find something on the MRI. They found some really bad stuff. They found all the stuff that was making her sick. And there was a doctor there that had moved to Little Rock six weeks prior that had seen a similar case in the hospital that he was at with a young boy. And um, he came in, because he wasn't on call the first night we were there, he came in and talked to all the doctors. They were talking about our case, and they said, did y'all scan her head? 
and nobody had thought about it. Nobody had said, like, suggested it. They were just trying to figure out what strand of meningitis it was. They were freaking out, like, what is this? And so he says, scan, like, don't let her have a popsicle yet. She was so looking forward to that popsicle, she was about to put it in her mouth. She had not been able to drink or eat or anything that whole time. And they ran in and said, don't, hold off, we're going to enter an MRI. And they came back and told me they had an abscess behind her ear and an abscess on her brain and they had blood clots on her brain. And, and it was really bad. But I remember thinking I prayed the wrong thing because they immediately were like, we've got to do surgery. And the ENTs came and talked to us and um, the surgeon came and the surgeon was like, she's going to be all better after this. All we have to do is take this out. She's going to be all better. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, are you, I mean, like literally that was the first good news we had had the entire time. Every single doctor that spoke to me was just bad news, bad news, bad news, almost to the place where like I had to step back and be like, it felt like it was demonic because it was so evil, not because the doctors were evil, but because it was like the, the devil was using them to just put all bad news. Um, it was something I had to step back and be like, okay, I still trust in you. I don't, I don't trust in horses. I don't trust in chariots. I know all this stuff is saying, but it almost went beyond facts. The doctors kept on talking about how bad it was. And I was just like, I, had, I didn't say anything to the doctors. I know people who are like really, I mean, like, don't say that in front of me or whatever. I know that the doctors are just doing their job and they're going to say what they need to say. But I know I personally have the authority in Christ to pray and to take authority over everything that they said and rebuke whatever I feel like is not of the Lord. I have that. I don't have to make it a deal. I have that authority. And so, because God has given it to each of us as believers. And so, I remember that part where I was like, okay. When they told me that and the surgeon came in, it was like, everything's going to be better. This is the reason why she's sick. As soon as I move it out, we're going to keep her on antibiotics, but she's going to be fine. And the surgeon was like, obviously, I'm a surgeon. I think surgery fixes everything, but I know it's going to fix it. And I was like, okay, well, if you know, then let's do this, you know. <laughs> because it was really literally the first time but that doctor had moved to Little Rock who had determined that we needed an MRI six weeks prior he was the absolutely only person who had had the idea to scan her head and I was praying that the MRI was clear <laughs> thinking that that was the best case scenario but it was not and so why I'm saying that in this scripture in Romans 8:26, it says that God prays for us and God knows our heart and so even when I prayed the wrong thing, God still did the right thing. You know, he knew my heart. I was in prayer, but he, he didn't hold it against me because I didn't understand. He prayed, Jesus prayed on Tia's behalf to make sure we got the answer that, so that she could get better. Number three is store up today for what you need tomorrow. One of the things that I feel like when we go through anything that tests our faith or tests um, our, the promise that God's given us. It may be a promise of a great marriage. It may be a promise of kids who are going to serve God. It may be a promise that, you know what, you're going to own your own home. Or you're gonna, it may be a promise that you feel like God has spoken to you, that you're going to give to missionaries and see a lot of work being done overseas. I don't know what your promise was, but for me it was health in this very moment. And so I want to make sure that I help, help us all relate to what 
this is talking about because I don't believe that it's just for these dire situations. I believe that it's something that we can access and stand on daily. Uh, but number three is store up today for what you need tomorrow. First Peter 4.12 says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial that has come upon you as though something strange were happening to you. This is one of the things that I have noticed really strongly on like people who don't know the Lord. It's like everybody's always so surprised that something bad happens. And it's like they can't, it's like their first response is just over the surprise that they can't get it together because something bad's happening. And something that I feel like God is so gracious to help us understand this is that he's told us several times that we're going to face hardship. He's kind of prepared us. He hasn't like left us out there trying to figure it out. But he's like, hey, you know what? It's a fallen world, and rain falls on the just and the unjust. And sometimes it's a good day, and sometimes it's a bad day, and it's not all because I made it bad. It's not because he made it bad. It's because we live in a real fallen world, and we live with an enemy who's against us, who's trying to come and steal the fruit and the seed that he's given us. So James 1, 2 through 3, it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, and perse let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And I really, I've read this scripture before, and I've gone through other hard times before, one specifically being when we felt like the Lord wanted us to transition and start our own ministry full-time. And I remember it was so difficult, and we literally spent our entire savings on starting this ministry, and we got to the place where we had zero money, and we literally didn't even have money for groceries. And I remember reading like scriptures like this in the Bible after going through that, like the first year, year and a half even, even when it started getting better and God started really moving, I was like, what are you talking about? Faith produces perseverance so that I'm not lacking anything. I'm like, I will never do this again. Like, I don't ever want to do anything God's asked me to do again. Like, that's what I, like, finished being like, I did that one, God. But that's pretty much all I want you to ask me to do. <laughs> like, I don't really, I'm not there. I don't think I'm that person who can do a lot of things for you. <laughs> this was like the quota that I could do. And so I remember thinking that, because people would ask me, like, so excited and think it's so glorious and wonderful that you started your own ministry and you travel full-time. Oh, how awesome it is. And um, our young ministers would come and talk to us. And I'd be like, just don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's my advice to you. Don't do this. Like, that is not a good idea. You know? I mean, I didn't have faith for anybody else to do it or for me to do it again. Um, but... <laughs> Thankfully, I have a husband that doesn't stop. But, uh, <laughs> but even in the midst of my weakness, like we just talked about just before, Jesus sustains us even when our faith has been rocked. And um, I believe that I'm probably not the only person in the room that your faith has been rocked before. Um, but, you know, this is something that I found true in this situation. I believe that everything that was put in me before the situation was for the situation. Does that make sense? Have you ever gone to church and listened to a sermon that you felt like totally didn't re relate or didn't apply to your life? 
I've done it many times, but one of the things that I learned through this situation is nothing's wasted. And every single word that's been spoken into my life is for a reason and I will use later. And everything that has been put in me, faith that's been built, is for a later situation. One of the things I was looking, my, my sons play athletics, and one of the things I looked on, on Live Strong, it says how you play a game on game day depends on what you eat and drink for a few days before. And I just want to encourage us, we can't stop eating, we can't stop building our faith because we don't know when it's going to be called upon and the bottom line is is the fact that we have to understand that the more faith we put in us and allow in us the more life groups we're able to attend and do bible study and do life with each other and grow the more times we can come and sit in these seats and hear the word the more time we can turn off the television and open the bible and feed ourselves the more time that we can let go and sing praises to god those are all things that are building faith and it's not wasted I don't know, some of you may have grown up in church. Not one Sunday school was wasted. You may have had a bad experience in church, but I've got to believe there is something that God put in you during that season that he has used in the hard seasons because he's not going to leave you without. He's not going to leave you without what you need. And so I love the fact that he prepares us. He doesn't leave us. He doesn't leave us lacking he feeds us even when we don't want to eat he's building something in us even though we don't feel it like i didn't get anything that day i didn't feel it the fourth thing is faith today tomorrow and every day and i am closing i promise in hebrews 4 it says therefore since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven jesus the son of god let us hold firmly to the faith we profess for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne in grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And I love this scripture because it basically tells us that Jesus knows exactly what we're going through. And we can get his help. <laughs> It, all we have to do is ask. We can boldly come to his throne and get help. I remember thinking, Jesus, you did a miracle in Tia's life. You saved her life. You found out what the problem was. You did had the surgeon come. You took it out, and she's getting better. We get home. She's still, like, she starts throwing up more. She has this back pain. She's having this neck stiffness still. And I'm thinking, she's just getting better. They told me it's going to take a long time for her to get better. And this is what she came home with. And I remember Scott and Monica, uh, Michelle, that come to second service, they came to our house on Wednesday night when it had gotten kind of, gotten worse. And they prayed for her. They were like, we want to pray for her. We want to pray that she'll be healed. And in my head, I was like, she's been healed. Like, we received our miracle. We're not dying anymore. But I remember that convicted me so badly because I was like, God, I want you to heal her today too. It's like I thought he had met his quota or that I was interrupting him or that he had already given me the miracle. And the thing is, is the fact that I saw that the same faith that was required the day that they told me they didn't know she was going to make it was the same faith that I could access and put forth on the day that she was just having symptoms that were, were frustrating. And of course, even that day, we had called the doctors before that day and they were like, yeah, she's fine, no big deal. Tell her the symptoms. 
And then the next day I call and they're like, come right now. And it's like, I have had God supernaturally touch my body and heal me. I believe in a supernatural touch from the Lord. But I've also seen God move through medicine. But I have to believe that after Scott and Monica prayed, that was the only reason why the doctor was like, yeah, come now. Because I had already told them the same information. And they were like, yeah, she'll be fine. And then we were able to release the spinal fluid. She has no more back pain, no more neck stiffness. Her blood clots are getting treated just exactly the way they're supposed to be being treated. We're estimated to be off all of our blood thinners and all our IV antibiotics and all of the things that we're doing right now on the 13th of this month. And that is pretty amazing. And you know, I think that, I mean, we just saw one of our doctors and she was like, I have still have patients in ICU with similar things that have been there since September. The fact that she's been out in four days of ICU, she was still in the hospital and she did have to go back to the hospital, but she was only in ICU for four days and that's a big deal. For, I mean, I didn't know it was until she told me, but I was like, okay, God, you know what? <laughs> There is something about this that I live and I preach about and I believe, but I'm like, I really know this is true. This is not me trying to be like, this is a good thing to talk about, it's positive. This is something that I have seen portrayed. Like it's, God has moved, he interrupted our situation and he moved. Even though the enemy wanted that interruption to destroy us, God's like, even if he can interrupt you, I can inter interrupt you better. You know, he can do it better. He can come and heal everybody and tell everybody about what he did and get the glory. Because ultimately, that is what we're here for, is to glorify him. But I don't say these points lightly, that his promises don't always come to fruition easily, or that Jesus sustains us when we can't sustain ourselves, or that we need to store up for today for what we need for tomorrow, or that we have to have faith today and tomorrow and every day from here on out. I just want you to know that I believe that the house is going to be full of people who are rooted and who are flourishing and who have faith. And I believe that the things of this world are not going to destroy us because of the fact that we are rooted in something greater and something more concrete. I believe the promises of God are more sure than concrete. I believe that if you fall and hit your knee here, as hard as that is, I believe the promises are that much. And I have so much promise, confidence in the promises of God. Not because of what I've seen in the Word, because I've seen it in my life. I've seen it in the Word and I've seen it in my life. And I believe today there's somebody in this room that you may have received a promise that, you know what, your faith is wavering. It may be weak. Maybe your, your faith is great and this is just to encourage you. Maybe you're not going through anything like this at all and this is for future reference. And that's okay too. But I've got to believe there may be somewhere, someone in here that has received salvation from God at one point in their life or a miracle from God in one point of their life that he's like, I can do it today too. And somebody in this room may need to know that he can do it today. The same Jesus that you surrendered your life to maybe years ago, maybe delivered you, maybe he healed you. 
guess what? Whether it was a day later or 10 years later, it's the same Jesus and you can still boldly come to his throne and he will still help you. And we have to be reminded of this. That's what church is for. It says, don't forsake the assembling of yourself. Stir it up. Stir the gifts. Encourage one another. And so today I don't look at my job as like preaching a big theological sermon. I look at my job as I have got to encourage the believers to stand firm and to continue to have faith and that the promises of God are going to come into fruition in your life. Stephen and I have been praying for his dad to get saved for years. And we're still praying, and it hasn't happened yet. But in the last couple of years, his heart is softening. So some things don't happen so instantaneously. I understand. There may be somebody in this room and say, I've been believing for 5, 10, 20 years. But I want to encourage you that he will give you the victory to the battle. If he has promised you that like he promised David... Even if you're stepping into the battle, maybe you've been in the battle for a long period of time, he's going to give you the victory. Do not give up. You know, in the principle that I want to talk about today, we have had five principles in this series, is when your faith is active, it produces results. And I believe in that this group of people are going to have results in their life because of the fact that they're firmly planted on the right foundation with roots that go deep. So I want to pray for us as we go into this worship service and worship part, but I'm praying that some of us who have lost faith will reignite that, allow the Lord to stir that up. If you want to stand with me right now as we come into worship. It actually says in that scripture where it says, consider it all joy when we face things like this. It says that he'll make us mature, complete, lacking nothing. That's a good promise. That is a really good promise. But I want to just ask, if there is somebody in the room that you feel like your faith has been shaken, I want you to worship with us for a little bit, but I am going to have you raise your hand in just a minute so we can pray with you. The next thing was, is when I was in prayer for these two services, and I don't know which service it'll be, but I really felt like the Lord said that there was somebody in the room that had looked in the mirror this morning and thought the thought, I'm lost.